Happy New Year, everyone. It's time to get uncomfortable in 2024. Hey guys, welcome back. It's Rebecca Price, and I'm going to jump into the podcast for the new year. Uh, it's funny because around the new year time, I, I look on Facebook in different places, and uh, everybody has a motto for the new year. And I think they're kind of cheesy, um, and a lot of churches and pastors have mottos, and a lot of times they rhyme, you know, for example, like God and me in 2023, or walking on the sea in 2023, you know, things like that. And I've always just kind of found them cheesy, but I was here, you know, at the apartment today and walking around and I said, God, give me something for 2024. So not a cheesy motto, not anything like that, but give me, I guess you could say a word or give me words for 2024. And I started walking around and I, you know, God really wasn't telling me anything much, you know, just walking around and I'm like, well, I started thinking about things and the truth of the matter is. They, our, our assignment hasn't changed. <laughs> our assignment is still the same. And as I was thinking about that, which we're going to jump into in a minute, as I was thinking about our assignment and the assignment that the Lord has given us, that's when the Lord really started to speak to me and really started to unfold and lay things out. And I thought, that's it. I'm like, this is what I want to talk about for 2024. And so here we go. Let's jump into this. So uh, people may say, well, what is our assignment? You know, and some people may say, well, it's to, it's to love God more or it's to have more faith and things like that. And those things are good. Um, and God does say that we are to love him. It does say that, uh, that the, the commandments are summed up in um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. But God gave us a job to do. He gave us very specific instructions and ironically, this is not really preached today. Very, um, very few churches I see, if I look up and I read about, you know, on their websites, their mission statement, what they're about, you know, a lot of churches have catchy mission statements, but there's very few out there that really go into this, um, what I'm about to read to you in scripture. And it's, it's kind of surprising a little bit because it, it, it's, it's like, man, you know, I, it, I wonder why more churches don't, don't talk about this. Okay. So I want to look at Mark, and this is, what chapter is this? This is Mark chapter 16, and I'm going to start with verse 14. And afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Boy, that's a sentence right there. Because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world. And proclaim the gospel to, to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover." So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. All right. So you can also see a version of this in, um, in Matthew uh, 28 and verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
And Jesus came and said to, him, said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So, right here we see that God gave the disciples a command. And he said, I want you to go into all the world. I want you to preach the gospel. I want, and, and not only that, it doesn't stop there. I want you to make disciples. And I want you to teach them to observe all the things I've commanded. And he talked about signs that would follow those who believe. So signs that follow you who believe and, and preach the truth. But those that also believe, these are the signs that will follow. Okay, and he talks about um, they will, let's, let's go through it. It says that they will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. They will drink any deadly poison. It will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So these are things that, um, that these are the signs that accompany those who believe. And Jesus told them, this is it. This is what you're supposed to do. And there is a verse in the Bible that also, where Jesus also tells them, greater things shall you do. Because Jesus' ministry was only three years, right? So he could only accomplish so much within those three years. Now, even though it says that there were so many things that he accomplished, that I think it says you, you wouldn't be able just to fit, I mean, all of the miracles and things, you know, I mean, it, there wouldn't be enough paper to write or something like that. Something similar to that. Um, that he, of all of his miracles, that this is just, um, these are certain accounts of his miracles and things that he did, but that all of them are not listed. Jesus still said, greater things shall you do. Greater things, okay? So here God gives them instruction. Now, the way people argue around this is they say, well, but he was talking to the disciples. He was talking to the 11. And that was the instruction he gave to the 11. And so it's not my job. It's not my responsibility. I'm not included in that. Well, let me ask you this. So the 11 go out, they preach the gospel, they make disciples, and they, these signs accompany them. These are, these are the things that they do. What happened when the 11 died? If no one else carried the word and preached the gospel and took up the mantle in their place, if nobody else continued preaching and continued um, operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and operating with these signs and wonders accompanying them, then how in the world did the gospel message continue to spread? So what I'm saying is, is that it didn't die with the, with the original 11 disciples. It didn't, the message didn't die with them. It didn't, it spread. Why? Because disciples make disciples, the who make disciples, who make disciples. And in order for disciples, so the disciples made disciples and those disciples made disciples. And it's all about multiplication. Okay. So your argument doesn't, does, is not valid. Okay. If it would have, it would have eventually died and not spread anywhere. If the disciples said, well, it's not my job. I'm just here to learn. I'm just here to sit here, soak in and learn. But it's not my job to tell anybody else about the gospel. It's not my job to make disciples. But that's not what happened. It spread because the disciples were creating disciples who were creating disciples. The multiplication factor. It was establishing. It was, it was creating, taking dominion over the earth. Walking in dominion in the kingdom of light, right? So then you have people that say... Um, when it talks about, you know, healing the sick and, and these, and the miracles, well, just the, uh, you know, the, the, the regular disciples didn't have that power. That was just a special sign and a special power that was given to the original disciples. And it didn't go any further than that. 
Um, well, that argument is ended in Acts chapter 9, um, whenever uh, Saul, so we know Saul, who eventually became Paul, and he was converted on Damascus Road. He had been persecuting the church and arresting Christians. And finally, the Lord, he had a meeting with the Lord on the road to Damascus. And, um, and Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? I mean, uh, knocked him to the ground, I believe. And he said, he said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Well, Saul could not see. He was blind. He had to have somebody to lead him because he couldn't see. And so it says that Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. So Saul, who had been persecuting the church, just had this encounter with Jesus, this incredible encounter, and realized, oh, I've been on the wrong side for a while. And he doesn't eat or drink anything for three days, and he can't see. So... There's this man in verse 10. It says, now there was a disciple, a disciple, just a regular old disciple of Christ at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Now, Ananias hesitates a little bit at first because he had heard about Saul and how he was a persecutor of the church. But God told him, said, go do what I say because, you know, he's, he's got, um, it says, I, he's going to be a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel um, and that he is going to suffer for my name. And Ananias is obedient and goes. And the thing is, is, is Saul's already seen someone named Ananias lay hands on him. But Ananias is a regular old disciple. He's not one of the original 11. Um, and he, he's not like the main core group of disciples or apostles that everybody, you know, looks at and talks about. He's a regular old disciple. And he does exactly what God tells him to do. He goes to Saul and lays his hands on him. And Saul receives his sight. Regular old disciple there. Then there's a sign that accompanied Ananias who believed and he healed him. So there your argument is destroyed. Everyone who says, well, that was just for back then. Well, that's not for now. Well, that's just this. Well, that's just that, you know? Well, look, there your argument is destroyed because Ananias wasn't anything special. He was a regular disciple of the Lord and he was used to heal Saul to restore his sight in the power of God. Why am I talking about this? Why in the world are we talking about this? Why did I bring this up? What does this have to do with, with 2024 and all of this stuff? So when I started thinking about this, and I started thinking about the original call. We have to, we have to, this is what we're supposed to do. This is the call that we are supposed to do. And not a lot of us are walking it out. Why? Because we're comfortable. And there's many reasons. Um, we're comfortable where we are. Have you ever sat on a couch or, or laid in a bed or was wrapped up in blankets or something and you were just, oh man, you, it felt so comfortable and somebody tried to lift you out and, you're, and they're like, you, you know, you need, to, you need to get up. It's time to get up. You need to move. You need to this. And you're just like, but I'm so comfortable and you just don't want to move. You don't want to go anywhere. You enjoy feeling comfortable. You enjoy being comfortable. It's hard. You, it feels good. All right. It doesn't feel bad to be comfortable. It feels good to be comfortable. But that's, that's what you're struggling with. You're like, I just don't want to move. I don't want to get up. I don't want to do this. 
And when you're comfortable, that's exactly what you, you don't want to do anything. You just want to relax. You want to sit there. And one thing that especially Americans love, but people in general, is, is being comfortable. And sadly, the church has gotten comfortable. And I'm sure you've heard that before, but let's go a little bit deeper with that. The church has not only gotten comfortable, the church does not want to take responsibility. They don't want to walk in accountability and responsibility. You can see that all throughout the Bible. You can look at Adam and Eve in the very beginning when God says, you know, he's asking Adam, he's like, you know, what happened? Well, this woman you gave me, Adam doesn't own up and say, I sinned. I shouldn't have eaten the fruit. He's like, this woman you gave me, she, he shifted the blame to someone else because he didn't want responsibility for his own actions and accountability. And Eve did the same thing. Well, it's the serpent's fault, not my fault. This shifting of blame, this lack of wanting to take accountability and responsibility for, for ourselves and for others right there at the very beginning, all right? And another one that I think of that's really, really big is I think about Cain. You know, they, uh, Adam and Eve had two sons in the beginning, Cain and Abel, and Cain ended up killing Abel. And God asked him later, you know, where's your brother? And Cain's like, am I my brother's keeper? In other words, is, is he, he's not my responsibility. Why is he my responsibility? And that is the attitude that a lot of us have as believers when we look at our fellow man around us. Well, well, why or am I my brother's keeper? Am I my sister's keeper? It's not my responsibility. That's someone else's responsibility. It's not my responsibility. Because sadly, a lot of believers, a lot of Christians in the church have gotten comfortable. And they've gotten really, really comfortable with a, a church style of, I go to church on Sunday, I see people, I hear a message, and I go home. And then that is the extent of my responsibility that my responsibility as a disciple is to go to church it is to go to a building to serve the building or serve the man of that building and to serve the people in that building and then once I leave that building I'm done so basically responsibility towards a building and that's the only responsibility that they that uh, that some believers accept but it's really a vast majority and uh and and I'm not you know I'm not just talking to y'all I'm talking to Things that I have seen in the past and myself as well that I had to come to a realization of. And so we really don't take, um, take responsibility. You know, we've, we've made the church be the building instead of the church being the body. Because when the church is the body and the, and the temple of the Holy Spirit is within you, that means that you carry church wherever you go. That means that church can be in the backyard. It can be in a park. It can be in a store. We've talked about this before. It can be anywhere. Whereas if you regulate it to a building, well, Oh, it's only there and God's only in the house when we go to this place and it's not in our home, it's not in our school, and that's not biblically accurate. That's Old Testament thinking. That's Old Testament thinking that you gotta that that the the presence of God is is locked inside of a building. And that's not or locked in, you know, it's it's in it's in one place or it's in an object or whatever. When now the Holy Spirit is in us. So we carry the presence of God wherever we go. And church happens anywhere and everywhere that we go. You know, so, and, but why don't we, we like that type of thinking because we don't like responsibility. And to be honest, uh, a lot of us have been lied to in the church. We've been told that, oh, you won't get healed until you get to heaven, which is not true. My husband and I have seen firsthand that God heals. We have seen firsthand. We have gone out and laid hands on people and people have been healed instantly. 
We have prayed for people and people have been healed over a couple days. Sometimes it's not always instantaneous, but we have seen the healing of God. I have seen the healing of God just in the last couple of days, you know, the, um, just in, just, I mean, in, in people, you know, that have gone in the hospital and I've prayed for, and, you know, the doctor said, you're going to have to have surgery. And, and this is a, and then, you know, we pray and, and say by her, by God's stripes, uh, her body is healed in Jesus name. And the next thing you know, we hear a report, well, the, the doctors say everything looks good and they don't have to have surgery. That is the healing power of God. That is the healing hand of God that is very much operating today. But God, the, the mission has not changed. Because God told the disciples, Jesus told the disciples, you go out and you preach the word. But we've been told lies today that, oh, it's only the power of God only rests in those on the stage. It only rests in the pastor and the pastor's wife. It only rests in the youth pastor or the associate minister. It only rests in the worship minister or prophet this person or apostle this person. And that is not the case. Those people, like when you get to the teacher's and the preachers and, and that, you know, they are meant to equip the saints. That's what they're meant to equip the saints so that the saints are equipped to do the works of God. Okay. It does not say anywhere. Well, they have a different Holy Spirit than someone else. They have a different Holy Spirit and a different level of the spirit. And, and we just can't touch that, you know, and just as I've talked about beforehand in my other podcast, when there's an imbalance of thinking in that regards, when people start to believe that, oh, the pastor has more of the Holy Spirit than me or a different Holy Spirit than me or those people, they can just do things that I can't do. When you have this imbalance thinking and boundary lines become blurred, then, all, then it affects how you live your life. And then you end up becoming dependent on other men and you say, oh, well, well, or you become dependent upon a place and say, oh, well, well, if I'm not in church on Sunday, then I'm not going to experience the power of God or I got to be in church or I'm not going to hear God's voice, which is not true. It's simply not true. And there's leadership that takes advantage of this and, and they, you know, but they shoot themselves in the foot because then all of a sudden it becomes them that are doing everything. And then they have a, they have a congregation that doesn't do anything, um, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that can come from this. They can come from this lack of responsibility, this lack of accountability, and wanting to believe the word of God when Jesus is calling all of his disciples to go make disciples. He's calling all of us to. Okay, he's, he's telling all of us, those who believe. Well, do you believe in Christ? Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, it says these signs accompany those that believe. So if you believe, guess what? You can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You can cast out demons, all right? You know, you can drink poison and no deadly thing will, will harm you, will come to you. These things, you will speak in tongues, okay? These things, all right, come from those that believe. But sadly, we have been believing what we've been believing. Instead of believing in God's word and believing in Christ, we've been believing in lies that have been told to us and traditions of men that say, oh, no, well, only, only people with a healing gift can heal. Where does it say that Ananias had a healing gift? Where did it say that? Oh, he, and, and Ananias, he was a healer. He had a gift of healing. It doesn't say that. It, God just told him to do it. He said, hey, you're my disciple. Go do it. It didn't say that there was anything special about Ananias or that he held a high title in the church or nothing. He was a regular old guy that God said, hey, go do this. And he took responsibility and he said, you know what? I'm going to go do this. 
And 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 what's and what I can even go even further with this is Saul had already seen a vision. Imagine this: Saul had already seen a vision of Ananias laying hands on him. What if Ananias didn't obey the Lord? How tragic would that be? How would that have affected? Um, how would have affected things? Would have affected Saul? And honestly, if Ananias hadn't gone, I truly believe that God would have just picked someone else that that would have said yes to him. But Ananias said yes. You know, and and the scales fell off of Saul's eyes. And let's see, what does it say? I want to continue to read that. I want to go back and continue to read uh, what happened as a result of Ananias um, just being obedient to the Lord. Um, it says that. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. How cool is that? How cool is that? That Ananias got to be a part of that, a part of what God was doing and a part of the story. And all he had to do was be willing. He had to be willing and take responsibility and say, Saul's my brother. You know, Saul is it. Saul has a need. Saul has a need. He can't see. God has sent me, you know. I mean, God asked me to go. But the thing is, is God ordered, ordered them to go, ordered the original 11 to go back in, like we said, in Mark and in Matthew. He told them to go. You know, and they're telling other, they're telling their disciples as well to go preach the gospel and to go do this, to go. So everything goes back to the original command that God gave us. So where does uncomfortable come in? Uncomfortability often makes us act. Whenever we're uncomfortable, we often, we often take action. You know, have you ever been uh, around someone and they're just like, man, I, I just felt uncomfortable. I had to get out of there. Or, you know, I just felt uncomfortable and, I, and, and it really got me thinking about things or, or I just felt uncomfortable and I had to do this. A lot of times when people are uncomfortable, it makes them take action. Remember, I said before, if you're comfortable, you're not wanting to move. You're relaxed. You feel good. You don't feel the need to move. You don't want because you just it just feels good. And uncomfortability is the exact opposite. A lot of times it doesn't feel good, which is why this message is so necessary. We don't need to live comfortably as children of God. We don't, it's dangerous for us to get in a comfortable place and think that by going to church on Sunday and Wednesday, that we are doing what God's called us to do in, in entirety. Yes, the Lord says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Absolutely, it's important that you gather with the body. Absolutely. But that's not it. That's not the 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 sole intent of, of what we're supposed to do. If that's the case, then Jesus would never have told the disciples to do that. He would have said, hey, Go, go, uh, go into the synagogue and gather with yourselves and pray and fellowship and enjoy each other. And, and that's it. He doesn't do that. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. Do this, right? And the thing, the great thing is, is you can make disciples wherever you are. It doesn't necessarily mean that you yourself have to go to, you know, other nations or whatever. Um, I mean, if you're in America, there's people everywhere. You can make disciples anywhere that you are in the store. You know, you can, I mean, you can meet people and people can encounter God wherever they're at, wherever they're at, you know, but there are people that go to other countries and, and Jesus says that until the kingdom is preached, 
to the four corners of the earth, he's not coming back. So this is, this is what's important is that we realize that, that didn't, that's not just stuff that applied to the disciples back then, that if you are a disciple of Christ, it applies to you which means that you're going to have to take responsibility, which means you're going to have to look at the people around you as your responsibility. And that is a very, very hard and uncomfortable thing to do. Trust me, I know this. I know this. You know, in, in the last year, what I've learned about healing and that, you know, we can raise, lay hands on people and, uh, and we don't ever force it on people. You know, if somebody wants us to, you know, we can offer. And if somebody wants us to, that's fine. Um, but if they don't want it, you can still pray for them. But you just don't have to lay hands on them or whatever. You can still, you know, pray for them as they walk or whatever. But we don't ever force that on people, you know. Don't ever force them and say, well, we are, we're going to pray for you right now. And you don't have a say over it. That's not what God does. You know, God's not a forceful God. But when you start walking around in stores and places like that and you see people who are in pain, who walk with canes, who have this, it's so, you can't unsee it when you know the truth. When you know that God has called you to do this, when God has said, like, you know, you are to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, you can't unsee it. It is, it is a conviction. It makes you so uncomfortable because every person you walk by that you see that has a cast, that has a cane, your heart grieves for that because you know, <coughs> excuse me, you realize in that moment that, oh my gosh, I'm, an, I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm an instrument of the Lord to set this person free. That I'm an instrument of the Lord. And like I said, you'll go up to some people and you'll be like, hey, you know, um, uh, hey, I just, I was just wondering, you know, how did you hurt your leg? You know, how did, how did you, did you, you know, did you fall? And then they'll, sometimes they'll tell you and be like, are you in pain? You know, can I pray for you? And a lot of people will say, sure, you can pray for me. But some people will be like, oh no, I'm fine. And if they say that, then you say, then say, okay, we'll be blessed. But then you can, you can still pray for them as you walk away. But again, you don't force the laying on of hands on someone, um, but again, when you start to realize this truth that it's our responsibility, that it's your responsibility as a believer to do this, it changes everything. You are uncomfortable from the minute you step outside the door every day because you know that you can't, you know, you can't just walk by. And it's not a condemnation thing where you have to pray for every single person that you see. And if you don't, God's going to be angry. It's no, there's no condemnation in Christ. It's not that at all. But it's understanding that because you carry the Holy Spirit with you, you have the power and the dominion inside of you. Okay? When you go to lay hands on somebody, it is not your power. You don't have to sit here and think something up or manifest anything. Or It's not. A lot of times when we pray over people, we, I don't feel lightning going through my wrists. I don't feel anything. I feel nothing. The other person might feel something, but I don't feel anything. You know, it's simply just, you know, it's simply going up for someone and saying, be healed in Jesus name, be free in Jesus name. By his stripes, you are healed. Your healing was paid for in the atonement. You're healed. And that's it, you know. And sometimes the, the person will say instantly, they don't feel pain anymore. They're like, oh, everything feels so much better. And then sometimes they'll be like, oh, it still hurts. And I'm like, okay, well, we're standing and believing that you're healed. And then a couple days later, 
you know, we might get a text or something and be like, oh my gosh, my, my, my arm is so much better, you know, uh, because some, sometimes healing is not immediate. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. There were times in the Bible where Jesus said, where Jesus says, um, they were healed within that very hour they were healed, you know, or, or whatever. So it doesn't have to be immediate, right? But understand you know, because when you say to yourself, well, if this is my responsibility, I mean, what can I do? I'm a mere person. I'm a mere human. But you have to understand that when you carry the Holy Spirit inside of you, you carry you carry the power of God. You carry the person of God inside of you. And it is not your power. Sadly, a lot of false teachers and false prophets today get caught up in that, you know, and they're like, and they try to falsify power or they try to say, oh, they try to take credit for the healing of God and try to take credit for the miracles of God. And I hate to tell you, we, it's, it ain't, you know, I, God gets the credit every time because I'm just a vessel. I'm the son and I'm the, I'm a daughter of God. You know, we are sons and daughters of God. If you are a believer in Christ and, uh, we have Christ in us, but again, once again, you know, if we didn't have Christ, if we were unbelievers, we wouldn't we wouldn't have anything, right? It's only Christ in us and his power and dominion in us and spirit that operates. All we have to do is be willing. All we have to do is say yes. Is this hard sometimes? Yes, it is. But when I tell you uncomfortable, I mean uncomfortable. You know, there have been, and, and sometimes it, it you have to ask the Holy Spirit for boldness. I've seen people in wheelchairs before. And I have not prayed for them. And I've said to myself, but but that's my responsibility, you know? So this message right here is not just for you and for, it's not just for you, it's for me. It's for all of us. I want us to be uncomfortable in 2024. I want you to walk outside of your house and I want you to see people that are sick and ill and say to yourself, God's called me to, to, to do to them, to heal them. God's called me to go over and to heal them in his name, in his power. You know, and... You go and, and it's, it's not about their faith. It's not that the person you're praying for, they could have zero faith at all. And it's in your faith. It's your faith. And it doesn't have to be a lot of faith. Remember, God says, you know, if you have faith, this faith is small of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain. You know, it's, it's doing it. It's being obedient. It's just saying, I'm going to do what God tells me to do and I'm trusting God to do the rest. You know? And somebody says, well, what about times where people don't get healed? Well, there are several things that happen when people don't get healed. Number one, it's not the person, you know, it's, it's not that we don't blame the person that's being prayed for. We don't ever say it's your fault you're not healed. Because remember, when things didn't happen in the Bible, oftentimes Jesus corrected the disciples and said, you have little faith. He corrected their faith. So you, as the one who's praying, has to have faith and believe that God is who he says he is and that God is healer and you're healed and it's done, it's finished, it's completed, you're healed. Whether you see it manifest in front of you or not, you're healed in Jesus' name, all right? But also, people can be healed, but then they can lose their healing. How can someone lose their healing? By their own mouth, right? By their own mouth, by the own, you know, there's power in life and death in the tongue. So someone can, you can pray for someone and for a broken arm and say, in Jesus name, it is healed. And you tell these, tell people to say, okay. And like, after you pray for people, you say, all right, you, you stand on the fact that you're healed from this day forward. You're healed. But if somebody goes around and they say, oh, I'm not healed. I'm not healed. This doesn't matter. I'm not healed or this or that, you know, then they may be healed for a period of time, but then it may go away. 
Because with their own mouth, they're speaking their own judgment over themselves. With their own mouth, they're sitting there saying, oh, well, I'm not really healed. I'm not healed. This or da-da-da-da-da. Because the Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue and those who love it will eat of their fruits, right? You don't have to have faith to be healed, okay? But you need to stand in faith once you are healed and say, thank you, Jesus. I am healed. Say, I am healed. They prayed for me. I am healed in Jesus' name. I am healed. But a lot of times people, you know, sometimes people won't do that. And people will go back and they'll just be like, I'm not healed. I'm this, I'm that, da, da, da. I have seen this happen firsthand. I have seen people that I have prayed for that, and my husband has prayed for, and they're healed. And they'll even say, oh my gosh, you know, I feel so much better. It's great. But their mouth will run. And I, and, and what what do they do? They act like they, they're not healed. They'll go around and they'll say, I... I, you know, well, my, my legs, my back, my eyes, my this. And I'm like, but you just, but, but you were, your eyes are healed. You know, your eyes are healed. You said that, you know, the pain left your eyes or whatever that you were healed, but they'll go around and run their mouth and say, oh, well, I always have pain with my eyes and I always, and they literally speak things back into their own life. Your tongue is very powerful. Quit speaking crap over yourself. Some people wonder why they're dealing with stuff, why they're dealing with, some people, you know, wonder why they're dealing with stuff in their life. But all they do is, is speak problems over themselves and speak sickness into their own life. They invite it with their, they come into agreement with it. They come into agreement with it and they speak it over their own lives. You know, there's someone that says that she, you know, she's, she's sick always and, and her back hurts all the time and her back's hurt since she's 30 and it's never going to get better and it's this and it's that. Well, if that's what you speak and declare over your life, then yeah, that's going to manifest. I mean, think in the beginning in Genesis, okay. How did God, you know, form things, form the world, create things? He did it by his word. So right there, it shows that the word of God is very powerful. That's why God talks about the word and how the world is like a double-edged sword. The word is very powerful, okay? The word of God that Jesus himself is the walking word of God, word in the flesh. The word is powerful and God is faithful to his word. He will not, he will not um, go against his word. He's faithful, all right? So the word is extremely powerful. And we are made in the image of God, okay? So what does that say about our words and what we speak? The things that we speak, the things that we declare, and that's why God tells us to speak life because we got to think about what we speak to people, what we speak about people, what we speak to our to and over ourselves. Because don't think that it doesn't have an effect on your life. Don't think that it doesn't have, if you have two children in a room and you speak negatively to one child and that's all they hear are negative words and curses and things that you speak over them, that child is going to end up completely different than the one that you speak positive, good, uplifting, loving, uh, godly things to. You're going to see two very different children with two very different outcomes because your words matter. Your words have power. Your words have impact. So what you speak over yourself and what you come into agreement with of yourself is extremely important. If you're waking up every day and you're you're telling yourself that you don't have energy, that you're tired, that your body is broken, that you're alone, that you're this. If you are telling yourself that, if you're telling yourself that, then what do you think is going to manifest throughout your day, throughout your life, throughout your year? Okay? But if you get up, and I understand, it, let me back up a little bit. I understand that there are times that are, that feelings are real and emotions are real and hardships are real. But we don't trust in our emotions. We don't trust in how we feel. 
because emotions change. They're up and down all the time and emotions are temporary and we don't ever let them rule us because we can make stupid decisions, very foolish decisions in emotion. It's not that our emotions don't matter. Emotions do matter and you can, and, and it's important to lay those before God and talk to him about them, process those. I'm not saying don't do that. But I'm saying regardless of how you feel in the moment, you always have to go back to the truth. What does God, God's word say? Because that's truth and it's infallible. It has no mistakes. It's truth. So if you feel you're going through a season where you feel like that you are worthless and you're, and, and, and the, the a demonic spirit is telling you in your mind that you're worthless and you mean nothing, you go to the truth of God where God says, you know, in Psalms 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Or when, or, or if you feel like you're, if, if a voice is telling you, you know, a spirit is telling you you're alone, then you go to where Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Regardless of how you feel, you have to stand on the word of God. Okay. But I say all of this to say that we need to be uncomfortable in 2024. We need to be uncomfortable. We need to get out of this, this comfortability, lazy, this lazy Christianity, if I can even call it Christianity. It's just laziness where, we, where, where you know, people are, because here's the thing, death is coming for all of us. We're all going to die one day. And you really need, people don't like to talk about that or think about that, but you really need to because it means that you have limited time on earth, limited time on earth to make an impact for the kingdom of God. You have limited time on earth. And if you don't take responsibility for those around you, if you don't realize that it does matter, that I do matter in the lives of people around me, that I can be used to set people free, then I can be used to heal the sick. I can be used to cast out demons because we have power and authority over them. And we can tell them to go and leave. And we can even command them not to manifest. People are worried about demons being cast out. Well, I drop on the floor and foam at the mouth. You can command it. You can say, you come out now and you don't manifest. Shut your mouth and come out. You don't, you don't converse with it. You don't ask it its name. You just tell it to go. All unclean spirits leave now. That's power and dominion that we have. The Bible says so. And the Bible is always true. God's word is always true. We need to be uncomfortable in 2024 because nothing will happen. We will go out and day by day, we will live our lives and we will ignore the things around us that God is trying to get our attention with. There are times where I have laid hands and, and, and prayed for people. And then there are times where I knew I should have, where I said to myself, that person, it has a cane or that person is in pain or that person. And I have walked right by them knowing that was my responsibility. And let me tell you what a gut shot that is. When you realize that you had an opportunity and you missed it. And some people, well, I can just, I can just intercede for them. I can pray for a far little. Now, let me tell you this. Yes, you, you can. Okay. So there is the part in the Bible about the faith of the centurion where uh, Jesus was willing to go to his master's house to heal him. But the centurion said, no, I realize you're a man of authority and that you don't have to be present. That just the command will heal people. I have seen this happen. I have seen people have reached out to me on Facebook. They've sent me messages and they've said, hey, you know, I need you to um, to pray for me, pray for this. And I have seen people healed and I have not been there to lay hands on them. So you don't have to be there to lay hands on them. Okay. But if you are in the room, if you are in the vicinity, if it's somebody in there, you need to go lay hands on them. Because I've, I've noticed a lot of times 
when they are within my reach and within my grasp because a lot of times that's the quickest way to get healing someone is direct contact is laying your hands on them that's the quickest way to to train to administer healing all right because you're right there there's power in the laying on of hands and there's times where i've cowered because that's what it is is cowardice where i've cowered down and i've been like oh well i'll just pray for them you know um, I'm not going to go to them and oftentimes you don't see anything happen or, or, or nothing or you know you know in your heart that that's not what God wants you to do. God, because yes, you pray. Yes, it does take faith for you to pray for people's healing from afar, but it doesn't take near as much, near as, um, I don't want to say near as much faith, but it, it's not a, it's not near as much as an, an example of walking in faith. As you going up to someone and saying, hey, can I pray for you today? Because you don't understand what doors that opens up. If you, if you, if this person is delivered from a lifelong disease, they're going to want to know, how did this happen? Because I've been to doctor after doctor and I'm not, and I, and, and I wasn't healed or I've had people pray for me before and I wasn't healed. It's an open door to discipleship. It's an open door to, well, hey, let's, and you always give people, give, give Jesus the credit and say, Jesus healed you. The kingdom of God has come to you today. Jesus has healed Jesus has healed you. And uh, and the whole the whole purpose point is to to make disciples. And that doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes it's just pe- random people that you meet, you know? But it can always be an open door to discipleship and to discipling them further and people wanting to talk to you more and people wanting to build relationships and hey, I want to I want to learn more about this. I didn't realize that you know, I was never told that that, you know, healing still happens today and things like that and that I've never I've, you know I never told that before and a lot of times people that don't believe in healing and that don't preach healing today and and that will or that will pray prayers like well if it's God's will it's always God's will to he- be healed it's never God's will for anyone to be sick that is a lie and you will never find that in the Bible that it is God's will for someone to be sick Jesus healed and set those free if it were the, if that were the case, then Jesus would have said, "Well, only heal, only heal those I tell you to heal." He said, "Heal the sick." He didn't say he didn't say, "Well, only heal these specific names, only heal these specific people." He said, "You'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover." Period. So, the people that make those arguments like that, that make the arguments of, oh, well, it may not be God. That's because they've prayed for someone before and they, and the person was not healed. And instead of taking the responsibility and saying, and examining their faith, the quality of their faith, not necessarily quantity, the quality of their faith, instead of examining that, they had to find a way to excuse it from not happening. I mean, that's tough talk, but it's just the truth. It's not faith to say, well, maybe God will heal you. Maybe God won't. That's not faith. What's fa- what, is, what is faith in that? Well, maybe he will. Wow, that's encouraging. I don't want a maybe. I want, I, want, I want, you know, the truth where God says, be healed, be free. Woman, be loosed. You know, that's what I want. That's what God's promised me in his word. So I know there's a lot here. There's a lot to unwrap. I'm sure it poses a lot of questions in a lot of different things. Um, I do. So what I do, if you want to know more about healing specifically, there's something called a DHT manual by Curry Blake that goes into detail. He breaks down the word of God and shows you how it is our responsibility 
to heal those around us in the power of Jesus. That that this is this the Great Commission is our mission. So it's like when people are like, well, what's our motto for the year? Fulfill the Great Commission. Do what God's told us to do. And be uncomfortable. We need to be uncomfortable. We need to be, we need to be weeping and grieved when we see people around us that are sick or that are in bondage or that are possessed. We need to, our heart needs to grieve and we need to be moved to act. Only when we are uncomfortable is when we're going to move. We're going to do something. We're going to act. So we've got to be uncomfortable in 2024. 2023 was a hard year on many levels. And it's easy for me to, to look and say, man, I want an easy year for 2024. But the truth is, I, I want to be obedient to the Lord in 2024. And I, I need to be uncomfortable. The only way that, that I'm going to be spurned to act is if I'm not relaxed all the time and I'm not, I'm not feeling good and sitting with my legs propped up. It's when I feel uncomfortable. And something has got to be done. Something has got to change. I have got to do something. Because I can't, I can't ignore the fact that yes, I am my brother's keeper. I am my sister's keeper. Yes, I am responsible for those around me. I'm not responsible for the choices they make, but I am responsible for what God has bestowed to me to give them. And God has given the ability to heal to all believers the ability to cast out demons to all believers, not just a few. The matter comes down to, will you exercise it? Will you walk in it? Will you believe God at what he says? And will you do it? So, I'm going to leave you with that. Be uncomfortable in 2024 because that's what we need. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit subscribe. Feel free to send me a message with any questions. Also, you can find me on Facebook as Pastor Rebecca Price. You guys be blessed and have a happy new year.